I'm SJ. I still do what I want. I'm Andrea, and I do too. Welcome to Two Witches Season 2. Season 2, also known as the Cult of the Holy Dota Worship Hour. Let us gather today in praise of the Holy Job Cat. (laughs) And of course, in praise of Saint Mojo. Yes, because Saint Mojo provides. If you have no idea what the hell we're talking about, clearly you don't follow us on Twitter. And you should. You should be following Two Witches Pod on Twitter. Yep, because if you did follow us, you'd already know about our first annual Whamageddon contest. Get your whamageddon on. Oh, so all you really have to do to enter our first contest is one, follow us on Twitter, and two, find our pin thread on Two Witches Podcast and tell us you're playing to enter. That's right. And this may have come out a little bit late for some people, but I'm sorry about that. You should join our Patreon. That's it, though, to win whamageddon. All honor system, of course, unlike my brilliant victory all the way last Christmas. See what I did there. I was already sent to Wamhala on December 7th and December 8th, a double. Too bad, too bad. Well, we don't want to win our own contest anyway. That's true. And you never know what's going to be inside that prize package, especially now since we are both practicing what we call vintage magic. We're pretty excited to tell you all about that. Basically, we finally listened to everyone that was telling us to start a Patreon. And you can find us there on Patreon under Two Witches Pod, or you can just look for the Holy Donut Cult on BrickMojo.net. Yes, we know a lot of podcasts have a Patreon, and we're thrilled to announce that now we do too. But don't worry, loyal listeners, if a Patreon is not in your budget, we still plan on releasing the main podcast for everyone. Patreon subscribers will now have access to new episodes a week in advance of everyone else and a bunch of other perks. They're also going to have an opportunity to learn about a lot of different things we're into, like junking or what we now call vintage magic. Working with herbs and plants, live streams, visits with Magical Job Cat, all kinds of good stuff planned for our Patreons. Yep. So if you like what we're putting out, you can now support us in that way too. Tears start at just five bucks a month to get all the bonus content, including vintage magic, and of course, the real scoop of what has been going on with us. All of this stuff, too weird to talk about in the general public, basically. Another thing that will be happening is we're going to let Patreons vote on some of the subjects we will be talking about in bonus chats. That's right, because giving people what they want seems like a good idea. You know what else seems like a good idea? Talking about what we've been up to since you've heard from us last. That's it. So what have you been up to, Andrea? Uh, Well, I've been doing a lot of reading and research about how to make your own plant oils from start to finish in a very primitive way. Awesome. And although I know I'm not the only witchy plant girl around, I'm putting the finishing touches on an easy how-to class. I'm also getting a new extractor for Christmas from my hubby, so I'm pretty jacked about that. Mmm, extractor! Me too, because I know I'm about to get some good organically grown prizes from my favorite plant witch. Yes, you are. <laughs> uh, so are some of our Patreons, actually. What, what? One of our tiers will offer a mojo bag and other goodies from yours truly. Mojo bag! <laughs> what is a mojo bag, you ask? You'll just have to wait and find out. And you know, anything named after Thug Mom is going to naturally be amazing. I mean, I named my Etsy store after her and then it took off. Yes, another perk to all tiers. Patreons get a 10% discount code to both of our vintage stores every month. For those of you that are into that sort of thing, for five bucks, that is such a deal. Right? Before we move on, 
I need to say, if finances are an issue for you and you can't pay the extra five bucks and you really want to learn to resell to help make yourself some extra cash, send us a message. We'll work something out. Awesome. Definitely. So tell me. Good news from our friends in Colfax, right? Yes, the Save St. Ignatius project was funded for the first part of the building's restoration. It's really important because now it's going to stay standing long enough that they can fix it up. The main supports to the building were crumbling and they needed about 30 grand to make sure that the building survived the winter. And the first hospital, which is still there, was built by no other than Mother Joseph. That's right. There's the Providence Academy here in Vancouver, a burnt-out husk of a hospital in Cranbrook, B.C., and then Colfax. Her building was expanded on, but the basic footprint is still the same. Her walls are still there. They recently had a matching gift from a person if they met their goal. So this is huge news. They're going to be able to save it. Awesome. So great. And I've heard they do ghost tours to raise money too, right? That's right. And guess what? There's a new sheriff in town at St. Ignatius that absolutely hates Zach Bagans. So too bad for ghost adventures. No haunted mojo buildings for you ever again. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put a link to stignatiuscolfax.com in the show notes so you can connect with them and follow their awesome restoration project. St. Ignatius is actually really interesting too because the saint himself, there was a prayer about having a painful death that Mojo repeated when she was on her deathbed. So the building catches my attention for a lot of reasons. Also, anyway, do not miss my new obsession. That is St. Ignatius's basement cat. I'll put a note in the show notes so you can also fall in love with them like I did. Now tell us, Andrea, what's new with you? Well, let's see. After years of hauling around boxes and boxes and boxes of vintage stuff from a resale space I had in the past, I went out on a limb and started a website. Honestly, so much fun. It's letting me do all the things I love and giving me a reason to go picking again. You can find my work in progress at www.primitiveinspirations.com. Awesome. We both have gotten some of our own personal mojo back recently, and that's a big part of this phenomenon that we're now calling vintage magic for sure. This combined with herby concoctions I've been cooking up are two witches pod adventures and getting ready for vintage magic. I'm literally vibrating off the ground about an inch. Ha ha ha. So that's it in a nutshell. Well, I haven't figured out how to hover above the ground just yet, you big show off. Will you show me? Yes, awesome. Uh, Anytime. (laughs) What's new with you, SJ? Oh, surprising. Absolutely no one that knows me. A lot is new with me. The old synchronicity engine has been running overtime lately. The first thing that's really important, and we'll get into some of this on our first bonus episodes for Patreons, is I started giving tours at the Providence Academy as a docent. Ding! Goal unlocked. Absolutely. It was unbelievable. To have keys to most Joe's building to be there whatever I wanted, exploring every nook and cranny, plowing through the files of old photos and stories from other docents. It was like my own personal absolute heaven. Your ultimate nerd out. You were so excited to start that. Oh God, yes. And then I quit being a docent about a month later. We did talk about it a bit on the thank you hiatus message on brickmojo.net and why we put a pause on this podcast for a bit. We weren't so sure if we should even continue this for a long time. My heart was pretty much completely broken by some of what I uncovered as I dug into the history of the site from the inside, so to speak. And there's way too much to get into here publicly. And the Historic Trust hires attorneys to harass people who speak out publicly. That's not me, by the way, dealing with this bullshit yet. But some shady shit absolutely went down. And hence the bonus episode. Good plan. Then we can also talk about how your dad showed up in my life on that bonus episode too. Yeah, that was wild. (laughs) And some of my past tweets checking in with Team Brick will make a little bit more sense after you listen to that. There's so many completely batshit things that have happened. Mostly good, which is 
positive that make us all sound insane when we talk about them, but they're absolutely real. It's hard to keep up, honestly. And it's always around family stuff. Why? Why is it like this? You mean, why? Why are we like this? <laughs> From the very first episode, it was like this. Ugh, you're right. I guess this is just how it goes. So let me try to get through this story without crying. We'll see if I can do it. So this story happened on Black Friday. So it's Black Friday. I'm big time on my thrift food bullshit. I went to Portland with the intention of going to a thrift store over there that has weird hours. I can never get in there because they're at Venice, so they're closed on Saturdays, and they're always open when I'm at work. So I tried going there first, and even Black Friday, they were still denied. It was still closed. And this store has been like a whole thing for like months. Why are they always fucking closed when I go over there? Like, I just push my nose on the window and stare at the tchotchkes and I'm like, let me in! I hope they don't have a camera in there. Right. Well, okay. (laughs) I've since been inside and I basically looted it. I got a shitload of early American cut glass, which my kid is super into after seeing it around. (laughs) In fact, I'll probably do a class how you can tell American cut glass from the later press stuff. So I was all the way in Portland, pissed off I can't get in, staring longingly at the knickknacks. You remember those old Murphys commercials? Open, open, open. (laughs) There we go. Dating ourselves again. Crone Podcast represent. That's it. Represent. So they're closed. We all know Goodwill's pricing sucks, especially in the city. So I'm not bothering to go there. I just get more ragey. No, no, not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I decided to go a couple miles down the road to Better Bargains Thrift Store down on Sandy Boulevard. Shout out to Janet Borkowski for telling me about that place. Shout out to Janet. Woo woo. She was on episode 15 of The Power Train. You should go listen to that episode if you haven't. Absolutely. All the Power Train guests are just awesome, by the way. Check out their lineup and their work. Really fantastic stuff there. Anyway, so Better Bargains, it's this old school, super junky where you have to really dig to find the good stuff. It smells funky like the old thrift stores of the 90s. Like, you know. Nice. Wearing a mask is a good thing okay to avoid like the funk smell this place is also so old school they price by writing the prices with colored grease pencils Ooh, random fact i love grease pencils ha! well next time you're in town we're totally going there you're gonna love it the benefit they squeak they squeak yeah. as you write i love that <laughs> the benefit to better bargains is that it's fucking cheap so you can really score some stuff there i've gotten fenton glassware there oh nice yeah, so we get to Better Bargains on Black Friday, and the entire store's half off. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, heaven. I, I'm just, I'm going nuts. I'm going nuts. I'm filling the cart without abandon because that place is so fucking cheap anyway. They have like 49 cent tags and they're half off, right? Stuff for a quarter. Like, ah, Dave's with me. He's kind of used to my bullshit right now. He knows it would be wild digging through all this crap. I'm exploring all the knickknacks and weird shit. Always, always best to explore. Right. I mean, half off. Stuff's a quarter. You gotta be th- <sighs> thorough, right? So I'm in the final stretch in the housewares. I'm looking at glass. I finally, I keep hearing this like ding, ding, this random like ding from a music box. Dave hears it too. And well, he's bored by now. I'm curious. And he decides, well, I'm going to go find what's freaking dinging at us, right? So first we find this terrible fucking clown wind up music box. I'm like, ha 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 ha, nice joke. The fucking clown wants to come home. It's clearly cursed. All clowns are. Right. And totally. And so, like, the 1980s send in the clowns hell box is only a dollar. And I'm like, God damn it. I guess I'm buying another fucking clown from Matt. That's AP Strange, for those of you that know him online. Because this motherfucker is into vintage carnival, sideshow, all this shit. And I keep finding these valuable, horrible old clowns for, like, a dollar. And it causes me physical pain to purchase them. Because I hate clowns so much. What I 
want to know is why are clowns always so suspicious? They're always lurking Ugh. around, peering around trees, watching you out of the sewer. What the fuck is their problem anyway? For real, they're stalker fucks. The only thing worse than a clown is a mime. I had one follow me around Seattle once as a teenager. Scar me for life. I had to fucking yell at him to stop following me around. Ugh. I'm like only 17, so he probably wanted to drive me into the sewer. Anyway, clowns. I've got this fucking clown in the car, and I'm giving it the stink eye. And yet I still hear this other ding, ding, you know. And I'm like, well, it's not the fucking clown. So days off wandering around, still looking for this random ding. And I hear him mumble something about finding it. I'm like, awesome, cool. I'm distracted looking at something else. And I'm happy that, you know, he found whatever, you know, his little game to amuse himself. He found the thing. I can literally see Dave wandering off mumbling. Yeah, you know, you know. So I'm sure that's how he survived 16 years of, you know, me. Anyway, <laughs> I go to the next island. Dave's there. And I round the corner and right at eye level is this music box that you know, is dinging and it's made from tin. It's from the 1970s or 80s and it's a train that goes around a mountain in a circle and it has some cacti on it. There's a video of this thing on the show notes for the episode. When you wind it up, it plays the song I've been working on the railroad. So the pieces are a little loose. It needs to be, you know, screwed back together, but it's pretty much complete. It just needs to be tinkered with and it's a buck 50, half off three bucks. So I see this and I immediately just start bawling in the store and I'm like, I'm talking to it saying, oh my God, oh my God, how are you here? Like, you know, I'm just talking to it like a crazy person just to fucking disbelief and dave comes over thinking something's wrong because i'm like crying right and he's like oh yeah that's the thing that was randomly digging and making me crazy i think i know where this is going so you can get an idea what the hell i'm talking about you can check out the video this thing it's a goofy little folk art thing and it's identical to one that i played with as a kid in my grandparents house and i don't even think playing with it is quite right i was pretty much obsessed with playing with it is probably more accurate. We moved around a lot as because my dad's job, he was in construction. But the one thing that was constant for me as a kid was my mom's parents, Bob and Donna, who I call Papa and Dini. Okay. They were always just there. And they had the same house, same friends, same furniture, same church. House was always place of stability, familiarity, like it was it's just grandma's house. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I love this. It's This is sweet. So then secondly, my grandfather was all of the best parts of my mother and none of the bad when it came to me. Make no mistake, he was abusive to his wife and his kids. It's just probably why my mom is so screwed up. But he was one of those people that is just a different person when they're with their grandkids. He was fucking amazing grandpa. Just amazing. I was the first grandchild and like him, naturally curious and a spitfire. So we loved each other deeply and instantly. We were sort of kindred spirits in that way. And when I was in Minnesota visiting, he and I were like stuck together like glue the entire time. (laughs) The entire time. He taught me how to garden, can produce from his organic garden. We'd hike in the woods to pick blueberries. He and my uncle taught me how to catch sunfish. All of this kind of stuff that neither of my parents were into. The very coolest thing though was he even bought me my own coveralls and took me to work with him on the Burlington Northern train. He was a conductor hauling iron ore from the big mine and he hated it. He was a very talented writer. He won a lot of amateur contests in the paper and whatever but he was living in a time where men had to get what they called you know a real job. And in that town in Minnesota, northern Minnesota, you either worked in the iron ore mine or did something else linked to the mine. It is the world's largest open pit mine that's there and writing wasn't seen as quote a real job for a young man which is total bullshit yeah it sounds like societal expectations totally screwed with all the genders back in the day totally so that mine is like a whole thing too like mine the synchronicity hill anyway my parents met because my dad came down to town to construct something at the mine my entire existence is because of this damn mine right this toxic mine <laughs> tons of my family members got cancer they all blame the mine like it's not a good deal anyway ooh, hellier intensifies <laughs> tunnels, mines, like what's going on there? So Bob has this clever romantic poet soul and he gets shoved in the army. They put him in the OSS, 
because he was so very clever. And then they, of course, completely broke him. Um, PTSD, the long chain of trauma on the side of the family, just sort of began in earnest. Anyway, I never got to see that side. He always got the biggest kick out of me when we were visiting. He would do stuff like abandon the family barbecue to bail out with me and go dig potatoes. The conversation of, oh, where's Bob? Oh, he's with Sarah was pretty normal. Oh, I bet at that age, you were pretty excited to visit that house. Unreal. He even made church fun. We weren't allowed to sit next to each other at church because we were always in trouble with grandma. I swear neighborhood kids came to the house to ask him to play. Swear. That's hilarious. So he also noticed my interest in machines, cars, building things, whatever. When I go on the train with him, I didn't get bored and I cleaned the train's toilet with Comet Cleanser I found the Virgo was already showing at age six. This cracks me up. I can see little you in a conductor's outfit cleaning a toilet. Ridiculous. There was also this (laughs) bit of an interesting dynamic for a while where my dad was very jealous of our relationship. Clearly he was threatened by being thrown off of the top pedestal temporarily while I was visiting grandpa because my dad was always my hero. When I was eight, grandpa had a heart attack. He died suddenly at 63 years old on the first morning of his first real vacation to Canada after retiring from a job he hated his entire life. Well, shit. I don't like that at all. It just sucks so bad. That's probably why I've had so many jobs. I refuse to hate my daily life every day anymore. Life is way too short anyway. Absolutely. So we were all completely devastated when he died. I didn't really care about visiting grandma's as much when he was gone. It just wasn't the same. It's like the light was completely sucked out of the house. I know it's a long story, but it's kind of applicable to why this thing was so important. So he's gone. I'm there. It's time for bed. Instead of, you know, being able to sleep on the couch so, you know, I can sneak in grandpa's bed in the middle of the night, I'm sent upstairs to sleep now. The attic is divided into two tiny bedrooms, one for mom, one for my uncles when they were little. So this is a tiny house and it's got just like a one bathroom tub only. Didn't think about things like house size and all these people growing up in this tiny little house. I am just a little kid. Yeah. So I know those types of rooms. Yeah. Yeah, I've been in those. So after he died, I'd go upstairs and the adults would still be drinking, laughing. But instead of Papa sneaking off to be with me and take me somewhere, it's just a different vibe. The house went from being really special to being kind of lonely, just like at home. And up in this attic, uh, I tried to amuse myself because there was all this storage stuff, bookshelves, trophies from my uncles when they were kids. And there was also this tin train music box that is just like the one I found at the thrift store. And Grandpa received this thing at his retirement party for the job that he hated. Oh. So I've been an insomniac my whole life. As everyone's laughing and having fun downstairs, I'm upstairs, up wake, bored, sad, but see my grandpa. I would sit there for hours in the dark and whine this damn music box, listening to I've been working on the railroad again and again and again for hours until I'd finally pass out. I bet when you heard that sound in the thrift store, it was like a visceral reaction. You had no control over it. And that's why I just lost it and cried. Like, I couldn't believe it was real. Like, how? And of course, there's more to the story. (laughs) There's always more to the story. At some point after he was gone, I broke it. I broke the music box winder by winding it too much. And of course, it stopped working. It wouldn't move and it wouldn't play music anymore. And my dad couldn't fix it. After grandma died, the one thing that I asked for and I specifically wanted was this broken ass train. And I didn't get it. I have no idea what happened to it. My mom said it wasn't there. But again, it was broken by me decades before. So when Granny was gone, they probably threw it away if it even made it that long. My mom was nice enough to make sure I got her china, which I treasure. And I am very thankful to my mom for that. That's lovely. That's lovely. And definitely meant to be for you to have something. Yeah. So now I got to just fix this one that I paid a buck fifty for. This is a perfect example of what I call these synchronicity bombs. And you, I love the fact that you are so confident. I'm just going to fix this one. Because I can't. Yeah. It just was like, you're here. And it's so specific. Like the synchronicity shit that runs into us. It's so fucking specific. Because if that wasn't even enough, if we're already like, wow, you know, okay. When you flip the music box around to look at the opposite side, because I used to just stare at the cacti side for hours because I like the shadows of the little plants. When you flip it over, 
The awning for the tunnel that the train goes through looks like it's made from gold bricks. Of course it is. So, what the fuck? And a dollar fifty? <gasps> I can't even find one like just like this anywhere. There's some from like the same series on eBay for like 40 bucks. These things don't even phase me anymore. I just shake my head. Basically. What can I say? Basically. So, besides slowly recovering lost things from my childhood at, at thrift stores, I am still absolutely and completely Shrek cursed. Shrek cursed. That makes me think about you and Shell from The Void with Jazz. You guys have been running around with Shrek plushies for a while now. Our chaos children. Yeah, I haul them around with me. I take you to important places, just like they were my actual kids, and then they get added to the algorithm. Because nothing is real. Maybe. Maybe. Did you know that there's a Greek god named Chaos? He was personified as the primal feature of the universe and had five children. Gaia, Earth, Tataris, the Underworld, Eros, Love, Erebus, Darkness, and Nyx, Night. Maybe you should start naming your Chaos children. (laughs) Well, I call them Shreklings. And whenever I add Shrek to the magic stream, it totally sends it into maximum ogre drive. And some seriously <laughs> weird shit happens. One of the Shreks actually went with me on Hakate's night. SJ wouldn't tell me this story until we recorded. So this is the first time I'm hearing it. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Again, this is apparently SJ's story hour. Don't worry. We have more to talk about than just the weird shit I've been up to. So it's Hakata's night. I had just broken my toe because of my stupid bum leg is still recovering. And it has nerve damage. And just like I do everything fast, talk too fast, walk too fast. And the leg nerves don't really keep up. So I'm hobbling around in slippers for two weeks. It was super annoying. Normally I would have walked down to the local creek I live by and left my offering for Hakata there. But I couldn't. So I asked Dave to drive me out a bit till I found a place that felt right, felt liminal enough. That's why I was going for the creek, right? So November 16th is a big ritual night for big spiritual work with Hakate. The death walking ritual of release, all this stuff goes on. It's reflective of the journey from death and back. And this is like a whole thing that's been going on. Anyway, still trying to decide how much of this personal UPG to talk about publicly. But essentially my entire life imploded this year and burned to the ground and all sorts of weird shit happens before and after and it still continues. So Dave drove down the road. We found this place that felt right. There's a small country road and there's this little bridge going over the creek. It's a clear night, which is pretty rare for November in Washington state. And the stars were just unreal. You could see them all. I had Dave turn the car around after he dropped me off at the edge of the bridge with the very strict instructions not to look behind him after he dropped me or look back as we drove. Because you never want to look back at Hikari or her hounds, guys. So, Hikari's night. Oh, my bullshit. I walk out to the middle of the bridge to leave my offering. It was a piece of bread for a plate. Three more pieces of bread that I cut into Goddess Trinity, Crescent, Full Moons, whatever. Some honey, some mushrooms, all these edible things that are like symbols and related to Hikari. And why? Remember, never leave non-edible things as offerings in nature, which is... Excellent reminder. Leave no trace. Littering and wrecking nature is the opposite of nature-based religions. Remember the all point of this, y'all. Anyway, get out the car, hobbling down to the creek. I just sort of start chanting to her, which I don't even plan on, but I'm just sort of feeling it. It's sort of happening. I'm feeling some shit. So I have my Shrek plush zipped up in my hoodie. His head's sticking out, right? While we left the offering, he's doing it with me. So I'm chanting and the moon was like so good. I grounded myself with the energy as well as I could with a cane of busted foot anyway. And I just got a major zing from it. The animal sounds seemed to be louder. The creak of the birds got louder. The wind kicked up and it was like, oh, she, she heard me. Okay. Okay. So then it was just time to leave. I just knew it was time to leave. So I left, went home. Completed the second half of my ritual for her and thanked her, went to sleep with the intention of having contact. And? And of course I did. She showed up and she had a certain bossy nun in tow. Okay, let's hear it. Spill the rest. I have a stream. I always stream in color and I'm in a cage. 
It looks like you'd imagine like a dungeon and a castle, really dark, damp, thick bars, black bars. And I'm in the corner. And most of the times when I dream, I see myself like I'm an observer. But in this particular dream, I was in the first person. It's like I could look out and see my legs, and but I couldn't see, you know, all of me. And Mojo and Hakati show up and they open the cell door like it's nothing, like there wasn't a lock. They just, you know, I could tell that I've been trapped in there for whatever. And they just opened it. And after they opened it, Hakati turned around and looked at me and she said, aren't you sick of starving? And then I looked in the corner and there was like... <laughs> All of these, like, I guess, like, carnage, like, blood and bones in the corner. And MJ said, it's time to get up. And she held out her hand to me, and I got up, and I took her hand, and we walked out of the cell, and then I woke up. So apparently that's the message from Hakata and Mojo. I'm supposed to quit starving, whatever that means. Well, so you've been released from something. Right. I guess. And the question is, what are you hungry for? Exactly. So, more to the story is... If you leave Hikari an offering and ask her to come talk to you, she might. Yeah, speaking of Mojo, she also gave you a Christmas present from the thrift store, right? Indeed. It's a Bluetooth portable record player. Again, this is something super specific. I'm always whining that I can't listen to my damn records in the bedroom, and now I can. Oh, there you go. St. Mojo provides another thrift boom miracle from the cult of the holy donuts. Job can't be praised. (laughs) (laughs) So what's next from Two Witches? Patrons will have the first of what we call bonos, or bonos, (laughs) Oprah style, uh, which are some of the possible overlooked items at the thrift store that are quick and easy to flip. I'll also tell Patreons about when I got to meet none other than SJ's dad, Big John. That's a doozy of a story. See, it's not just SJ story hour. You're going to get Andrea story hour too. Promise. (laughs) Promise. So look for the Vintage Magic page on BrickMojo.net for more information on what patrons can look forward to. I also have a class for how to find the best places to look for junk and how to choose the right estate sale, how to negotiate pricing when you're at that estate sale. That's going to get you around what I make my personal flip goal, which is around $20 profit per resale item or lot. Because knowing how to source inventory is the critical first step as a reseller. We'll show you where we've been successful and how to avoid the mistakes we've made along the way. That's part of the deal too. Something else we discovered about this vintage magic is just like this, what we call brick shit, it's contagious. In multiple ways. There's a person on the East Coast I recently met who has been doing what I've been doing, but with their own unique spin on it. This is a really cool story and pretty weird. Turns out I've been living sort of a parallel lives with someone that I've never met. Because synchronicity is a strange beast. He's agreed to come on and talk to us soon about what he has with his thrift too. Yep, we made up the same damn hashtag. That's how he found me. This is a wild story. By the way, any guests out there that wanted to come talk with us before we took our hiatus, you're still very welcome. Absolutely. We have confirmed with uh, Tidy Tarot is going to still be coming on. So we're looking forward to that. Yes. Um, But no hard feelings if you've changed your mind. We are going to start over. We know that there has been some shakeups around here. If we talked to you before, you're still welcome. Send us a message. Special thanks to our newest Holy Donut cult members, Brick Management member Jennifer C., Holy Donut cult initiates, Teresa Z., And of course, Holy Donut Initiate Danny. Thanks a lot. Thanks truly for joining us. We are thrilled to be back and we came back because of you. Till next time, take care of yourselves. And don't... The Cult of the Holy Donut brings you another urgent message from our blessed icon, Magical Job Cat.
It is important to know that the Illuminati are a few people who have access to information and control the world by manipulating politics, business, banking, and military, amongst others, on a global scale. Although there are people who are able to see this truth, they are only discovering one layer. Without accepting the larger picture, you cannot grasp what's going on. Anunnaki. Anunnaki, a reptilian alien race, first came to Earth from monoatomic gold, which allows the aliens to travel quickly through other dimensions and acquire a large amount of information by increasing the capacity of their nervous system. The lower working class of the aliens gathered and processed the gold, but they decided it was too much work, so a slave race was created. The Anunnaki upgraded humans' DNA with their own to make a hybrid race 35,000 years ago so the humans could serve as a slave race and process their gold for them. The changing of our DNA explains why there are reptilian genetics in our brain. The reptilian aliens placed these limitations on us, so much of our brain and 95% of our DNA is completely useless. Now that we've all discovered that we've been made for the purpose of only being a slave race for the Anunnaki, they have installed reptilians in positions of power around the globe, in all governments, including the British royal family. Mind control plays an important part of the Illuminati schemes, and two ways they achieve this is through the media and the internet. The media is completely controlled by the Illuminati, which they use to give us only the information they want us to have. The internet is then used to track and profile us, with the ultimate goal to microchip all humans for complete surveillance. Religion is used to convince the masses that they are meaningless and without any power. Oh my god, what do we do? I'd sell my soul for a donut. Well, that can be arranged. Join us at the Cult of the Holy Donut, where Jobcat will continue to dispense critical advice to survive these critical times, like... Or just go eat a fucking donut. We're sure that'll help you feel better, even if the reptilians are real, which they aren't. I mean, come on. Visit BrickMojo.net to learn how to become a devotee of the Holy Donut. Or even a member of Brick Management. We double dog dare you. Magical Jobcat. Just because nothing is real doesn't mean that you can't get measurable results from imaginary heroes. Register trademark. Oh yeah, and don't be an asshole.